Welcome to The Buzz. I'm Christopher Conover. On today's show, we take a look at Southern Arizona's solar industry and where support for renewables stand after the failure of Proposition 127, last year's statewide renewable energy mandate. A new poll shows Arizonans overwhelmingly support growing renewable energy resources and efficiency in the state. The poll surveyed about 500 likely voters. It was directed by the Arizona Public Interest Research Group's Education Fund. Executive Director Diane Brown joined me to talk through the poll's findings. That poll says the vast majority of Arizona residents believe it is important to develop clean energy sources in the state. So why did Prop 127 fail? That is a good question. Our organization did not work on Prop 127, either in support or in opposition. The results of the vote of that measure, according to our poll, don't necessarily reflect the huge popularity of clean energy in our state. In fact, we saw clear evidence that Arizonans support using our local resources to grow our economy here. So we're hopeful that elected officials, utility leaders will see that people do want to move forward in a cleaner energy direction, despite what happened at the ballot box. The poll you did showed that men and women both agree that increasing renewable energy would bring economic growth to the state. But interestingly, when it comes to political parties, only 56 percent of Republicans feel that way. Is that split surprising? I think what we're seeing is that when it comes to renewable energy, energy efficiency, electric vehicles, that by and large, the demographics, whether it's a partisan split, whether it is age, that increasingly more and more Arizonans want to see us moving in a cleaner energy direction. We have seen that Republicans, as well as Democrats, are starting to increase overall support for these measures. It still is the case that Democrats tend to be more supportive. However, Republicans are starting to change on uh, viewpoints on items such as climate change. And we're starting to hear more from Republican policymakers that we need to be moving in a cleaner energy direction. You mentioned demographics on that uh, age plays into it, I would imagine, as uh, elected officials get younger. Um, Are we seeing those changes, do you think? We're seeing really support across the board, uh, demographic-wise, in in regards to age. Certainly, younger folks are more aware of some of the immediate threats that their generation and that their children's generation are facing when it comes to climate change in particular. But we're also seeing that older Arizonans also have a lot of concern for these issues. Many of them recognize that items such as energy efficiency are good ways to save money, as well as to protect air quality and public health. And so we see across the board, there is support in Arizona. And we're hoping that policymakers will start catching up to the attitudes of their constituents. This poll showed that a majority of the people you talked to, regardless of what political party they were in, want to see increased regulations on utility companies to provide more efficient services to customers. What type of regulations do you think are needed? 
Arizona has one of the nation's leading energy efficiency standards that helps to make sure that we are using energy efficiency as a resource, as a way to avoid the need for additional costly capital expenditures, such as new power plants. So we'd like to see an increase in the energy efficiency standard. We'd like to see more movement on electric vehicles. And we also know that there is desire to move forward with increasing the state's renewable energy standard as well. The poll touched on climate change, and according to the poll, most people agree that the federal government isn't doing enough, but we keep electing many of the same people. What does that say about what Arizonans want and want the federal government to do? Well, one of the things that we thought was a little bit um, of a surprise in the poll that we hadn't seen in the past is that there really is a unified view about climate change. Uh, One of the questions we asked was if the federal government fails to address the issue of climate change, should the state or local government have a responsibility to address the problem? And overall, we saw strong support for moving in a more local or state direction. And while federal policymakers may not be addressing these issues right now. We have seen some movement in that direction from local leaders in Tucson as well as across the state of Arizona. Thanks, Diane. We appreciate the time. Thank you. I appreciate it. Proposition 127 would have amended Arizona's constitution and required energy utilities, including Tucson Electric Power, to get half their energy from renewable sources by 2030. The current renewable energy standard requires 15 percent by 2025. Arizona utilities and their parent companies oppose the measure, dumping millions into the campaign against it. Voters overwhelmingly rejected the proposal last fall. We talked with Joseph Barrios of Tucson Electric Power about the utility's current and future solar energy plans. TEP has invested in solar resources for more than a decade. Over time, the interest in solar has expanded, the costs have come down, um, and it's it's really always been something that we've looked to as a a resource, as something that we could uh, grow and expand. Right now, we have, you know, enough resources to power more than 70,000 homes annually, and we continue to pursue a goal uh, so that by 2030, we hope to have enough renewable resources to power about 350,000 homes uh, here in the Tucson area, which is which is essentially every home in the metropolitan area. When you say renewable resources, it sounds like more than just solar. Turbine, wind turbines, is that all part of the portfolio for TEP? When you look at our uh, renewable portfolio, it's primarily solar. Uh, we do have some wind. We have about 80 megawatts, but we do have plans to expand our wind resources and the idea is that solar is great, but the way and when it produces power is different from wind. So the idea is that during the day, obviously, that's when solar is is cranking, producing clean energy. But at night, it's not doing much for anyone. Wind, however, will produce at night. And those two resources complement each other. You mentioned that by 2030, the the goal for TEP is to have enough renewable power to essentially power the metro area of Tucson. Does that mean the other plants are going away? 
the expansion of renewables is part of a, a bigger plan. The uh, 30 by 30 plan, uh, again, that's to have that's to produce about 30% of our power using renewable resources by 2030. And that exceeds all of the current state requirements. And it plays into a long-term plan that we've been pursuing where we're reducing our reliance on coal. And although we're still going to have some coal resources and some gas resources, uh, natural gas resources, we're building systems that are more efficient while we expand renewable energy. And we've made some strides already. In in 2015, we ended use of coal at our uh, Sun facility here in Tucson. In 2017, one of the units at the San Juan Generating Station in New Mexico was shut down. But of course... um, what a fuel like coal offers is that it's something that we can control, unlike renewable energy. So we're also going to be investing in things like uh, battery storage. And there's going to be a lot in play in the coming years as we really reshape where power comes from and how we deliver it to customers. I know driving through neighborhoods like mine and so many others in Tucson, it seems like more and more people are putting solar cells on their roofs, but there have been changes in the net metering laws. What are those changes, and how have they impacted the residential solar part of the equation? The changes over the last few years were really the result of a a close look at how those customers generate power and use power, and the costs that are incurred to provide their electric service. And to, to be clear, solar is great. Solar is great as a large community scale resource that we manage and operate. Rooftop solar is great for customers who want to reduce their electric bill. It all helps to reduce uh, our collective carbon footprint. But what, what we've tried to do is design rates that are based on very simply the, the cost of service. What does it cost to make sure that your lights turn on when you need them to to turn on. And so the Arizona Corporation Commission spent time examining the net metering policies as they were. They made some changes. And so what we have today is a system where if you're a, a customer who's interested in installing solar, before you would receive energy credits, kind of a one-for-one exchange. So if you uh, produced power at certain times of the day, you would get energy credits you could use later on. Now those customers are compensated for the power that they produce, and it shows up on your bill as a bill credit. It is a little different than it used to be, but we're still receiving uh, applications from customers who want to interconnect their systems to our systems. I remember a couple of years ago, TEP had a program uh, that if I wanted to use renewable energy at my house, but I didn't want to put up the solar cells on my roof, there was a way that that could be done. That program's discontinued. What exactly was that program and why is it discontinued? Sure. So that was part of a, a pilot program in which we would install solar panels on customers' roofs. And it was a way for customers to go solar, get solar on their homes without having to incur those upfront investment costs. And it was a pilot program. And it might be something that we can look into in the future uh, to expand. But as with all of the programs we offer, uh, it has to be vetted and reviewed in a public process, uh, again, by the Corporation Commission. They did, however, approve a couple of new solar programs that we just rolled out. They're called uh, uh, Go Solar Home and Go Solar Shares. 
and they really provide another opportunity for for customers who are interested in solar um, but may not be in a position to install their own systems on their home in one program you can buy your power from a local solar array and uh, your your monthly price your monthly bill is fixed for up to 10 years so does it immediately lower your bill no but there are opportunities where it could provide savings in the future. And again, it supports the expansion of solar here in our community. We're talking with Joseph Barrios with TEP. Is there a time where TEP will begin to move to smaller arrays in a neighborhood? Like there's a neighborhood park, let's put up a big uh, solar array there, keep the kids nice and shaded, and at the same time generate power for the local neighborhood right there? You know, it's 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 a possibility. I, I think uh, we're m- moving in that direction with the Go Solar Home program. Again, in that case, if you're a customer signed up for that program, you'll be purchasing your your solar power from a specific, relatively small five megawatt system, which we expect to come online by the end of 2020. And uh, and so that would be you know, that's new and different. It's a pilot program. Uh, but again, as with all pilot programs, if customer response is strong and uh, we see more opportunity to expand it, m- maybe we'll have more systems like that in the future. Last year, we had on the ballot Prop 127, which would have required the utilities to get 50% of their power from renewable sources by 2030. The big utilities, TEP included, oppose that. Why? So the, the concern around uh, 127 was, was very simply that we were concerned about how it would affect our customers. And we did receive questions from them early on. Uh, they, they would ask, how might this affect my bill? Should I vote for this or not vote for this? And we wanted to be careful that we didn't tell them what to do. But we did take a look at the requirements of of the measure and if it passed we we took a hard look at how would we comply with this and from the beginning it was it was clear that if if voters wanted this we were going to try and satisfy their requirements so we took a look at how are we going to do that it would require prematurely shutting down some of our existing resources it would require very rapidly investing in solar and energy storage at a rate that would essentially increase customer bills. So we simply tried to do our research, do our homework, and then and then share that with, with customers. With Prop 127 not passing, is there a need for leadership at the state level, be it the governor, the legislature, the corporation commission, to push more renewables forward uh, as as time goes by? So I, I think that conversation is going to take place, and it's, a, it, it's an ongoing conversation. Uh, a few years ago, uh, we were looking at having to satisfy the requirements of the Clean Power Plan, which that was at a federal level. We were already pursuing plans to expand solar and to invest in more wind to uh, reduce our reliance on coal. Broadly speaking, we were already moving in that direction. Now, obviously, those requirements aren't in place. And now at the at the state level, the Corporation Commission, their uh, commissioners have proposed a, a, a couple of different uh, ways that we might go about expanding 
renewable energy here in here in Arizona. So I think there are going to be different uh, philosophies in terms of how we're going to expand renewable resources and how we're going to move away from uh, use of coal and use of natural gas. Uh, and we're certainly in favor of that. We're happy to participate in those conversations. And, and again, we have our own, our own plan that we're pursuing independently that surpasses any current requirements. And uh, it's, it's promising because the cost of solar uh, has come down throughout the years. We are already investing in energy storage systems, and those costs will, uh, will no doubt come down over time. And as we uh, make greater use of those storage facilities, that will only support our expansion of renewable power. All right. Well, thanks so much for sitting down with us. Thank you for having me. That was Joseph Barrios of Tucson Electric Power. This week, we're exploring the current state of solar energy development in southern Arizona. Earlier, we heard from TEP. Now we turn to Kevin Cook with Technicians for Sustainability, a major solar installer in the Tucson area. TFS supported and I supported Prop 127 because I and we believe that we need to see more rapid adoption of renewable energy and uh, especially in southern Arizona the, the you know the solar resource here is incredible some of the best in the nation and and we thought prop 127 was one of the ways to get there i think it failed for two reasons pretty simple reasons one is there was a tremendous amount of funding and opposition from the utilities especially APS about why they felt it wasn't good for Arizona. And two, the Secretary of State included the language in the description of the ballot initiative that it would be pursued uh, without regard to the cost. What are some of the ways to increase solar and wind and other renewable energy sources here in southern Arizona? Well, the most important thing in my mind is people have to want it. And if people want it, then there will be a way that, that, that will make it happen. The pathways to adopting more renewable energy largely do involve the Corporation Commission. One of the reasons that Prop 127 came about the way it did is because I think there was a perception that the by many people, not everyone, that the Corporation Commission was under regulatory capture, that the utility really was... Um, Influence, you know, had a had an undue influence on the Corporation Commission, and I hope I I believe that you know we're moving in a direction where maybe the uh, ACC, the Arizona Corporation Commission, has a little more independence and is starting to entertain plans that wouldn't be the same as Prop 127, but might be more of the normal course of business to achieve increased levels of renewables beyond the original you know, renewable portfolio standard, which was only 15%. Commissioner Kennedy has already put forward uh, some language that she would like the, the commission to take up to increase renewables, at least on the, the commercial scale. You think that's, that's the, the beginning of the change? The beginning, I think, is actually with Commissioner Burns, who also has a plan put forward. Their plans differ in a number of ways, but Commissioner Burns' plan was sort of, the, I believe, the beginning of that uh, push to say, hey, let's let's look at something bigger than the renewable portfolio standard. 
When it comes to especially solar, we always hear talk about net metering for people who have solar on their houses. For those who have forgotten or maybe never understood, A, what is net metering and how have changes to the laws changed maybe the solar industry a little bit, at least on the the residential scale? The people for whom it's important to understand net metering are largely customers who already have solar or people who are purchasing homes that already have solar and are grandfathered under the existing net metering rules. Basically, those net metering rules allow customers who produce solar energy and don't use that energy in their home at the moment it's produced to get retail credit for that energy when they use um, electricity at a later at a later time from uh, TEP or from the utility. We've moved past that now, and the new rules have a different rate that, that a customer who adopts solar would receive in exchange for solar that they export compared to the savings rate that they receive from energy that they deliver to their house and use in the moment that it was produced. Have you seen, since those new rules have come in, a reduction in interest uh, from people wanting to put solar on the, the roof of their house? Well, there are still... I think a lot of people who are interested in putting solar on their roof, the major change that I've seen is that it's become more difficult to finance those systems. So the economics, if you're looking at the time for a system to pay itself off, are not really that different under the new rules compared to the old rules. But if you want to finance a system, one of the very common ways to finance a system was to do a lease or a long-term loan, a 15 or a 20-year loan. And most companies that offer those loans won't offer them now because the export rate that's offered is secured for 10 years and will drop in year 11 and on. And there's an unknown savings associated with installing solar after 10 years because of that that drop. So financing has become more difficult, and we have seen a significant drop off in the number of people who actually sign up for solar under the new rules. We're talking with Kevin Cook with Technicians for Sustainability. Where does Tucson compare to cities of a similar size when it comes to the amount of solar that's being installed? We're somewhere in the middle, right? There are communities that are much higher penetration levels, much higher percentage of homes powered by solar in Hawaii, parts of California. But we're certainly doing you know, reasonably well. I think we're at the point right now that approximately 14% of the energy delivered in Tucson is coming from... Uh, renewable resources. Between the utility scale and the commercial and residential split, it's almost 50-50. When you're dealing with commercial customers, what's their reasoning for going in? Is it just money saving, going green, a combination thereof? I think it's a combination in general. There are there are some businesses that it's a strictly it's strictly a financial decision. The return on investment for commercial operations typically is significantly better than the return on investment for residential customers. The tax credits are more favorable, the depreciations available to them. Those larger systems tend to cost less per watt to install. So for a lot of them, it's there's a strong economic driver in their decision. But many of them also have environmental missions or interests. Some of them want parking and, and uh, want to combine the function of producing their energy and saving money with the fact that they get shaded parking for their patrons. Lots of reasons. 
with the change in rate structures that we've been talking about, have you seen a change in the way people use their solar power from their rooftops? Yeah, there's definitely been some shift, and I think the shift will grow as the difference between the value of exported energy grows, you know, we'll see more people interested in self-consuming their energy. Uh, we're seeing interest in batteries where people can store some energy that would otherwise have been exported in a battery and then discharge that later when they're actually using it. And we're also seeing people start to pay attention to when their appliances come on and uh, making sure that they're using those appliances while the sun is shining. I hear some technology in there. I'm sure the technology is ever-changing, but are we on the, the cusp of batteries that are of a, a consumer size that will supply long enough and, and even better solar cells? Yeah, I often get questions about technological advancements. And what I tell people is where the changes in the solar technology were happening really rapidly 10 years ago, 15 years ago. That rapid change has really moved from the solar panels, which are now largely a stable product, to batteries and software that helps to more intelligently control the output of these systems. So we're seeing a lot of changes. There are new products available this year that were not available last year in uh, in the battery and storage space. To wrap this up, and I hate to use the pun, but it, it's just right there, is is the future for solar bright or is it fading? Well, I think the future for solar is quite unclear at this point. I think we have some policy decisions in front of us as a community to make that will determine how bright it will be. I think that there is a growing consensus that we need to see more renewable energy adoption, that we have some real problems on our hands that we need to solve. I think the technology is there to solve those problems. The question is, from a policy perspective, are we gonna open the doors to make that happen? Or are we gonna pull back on the reins and limit it? So the policies both on the state level as well as the federal level will have a huge impact on that. And at this point, I don't think it's clear how, what the outcome will be. That was Kevin Cook with Technicians for Sustainability, a solar installation company. In the interest of full disclosure, Technicians for Sustainability is an AZPM underwriter. Members of the Arizona Corporation Commission, which regulates utilities in the state, have introduced some proposals to mandate more renewable power. The commission will hear public and stakeholder input on the issue next week. We'll continue to follow the story and bring you more in future shows. And that's the buzz for this week. You can find all our episodes online at azpm.org and subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for The Buzz Arizona. Ariana Brocious produced and edited the show. Jim Blackwood is our production engineer, and Andrea Kelly is the news director. Our music is by Enter the Haggis. I'm Christopher Conover. Thanks for listening. Arizona Public Media's original programming is made possible in part by the Community Service Grant from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.